0: As Matt said, um, uh, the men uh, some of our men have had the chance to be away on the first couple of days of fall uh, over the past few days from Thursday through Saturday. We got back yesterday evening um, and uh, I think it was good. I think it was a fruitful time um, and that's not just cliche. I would be honest with you if I thought it wasn 't, but it was it was good, and I think it'll serve to be. A benefit to our, our church at large and beyond a ripple effect uh, for what God did in the lives of our men there. Uh, for those of you who are uh, maybe newer to this idea of uh, retreating or our men's retreat here at Terra Nova, both our men's and men and women retreat um, annually, once annually, and we do this. Um, just because we need that rhythm to disrupt the normalcy of life to engage with God and each other in a different way. Our men's retreat values are distance, presence, and purpose. We try to live that out each year. Distance from everyday life in order to get that unique presence with each other and God in order to return with a greater clarity of purpose into our everyday lives. And I just want to say a brief thanks to some folks in our congregation. First of all, some of you gave generously above and beyond your own retreat fee in order to provide scholarship money for some men who would not have been able to go otherwise thank you and then some of you um, especially those uh, who are wives of the husbands who went away and your families made it possible for those men to go away we know that it's not without sacrifice that's not lost on us thank you Um, Our retreat theme for this year, um, uh, Pastor Chris Moran from Eternal City, Eternal City Church down in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, an Acts 29 church. He was our guest speaker and he spoke to us on this theme of responsibility, responsibility to God responsibility to others and responsibility to self. And particularly, of course, he was speaking to that through the lens of uh, talking to men, uh, men as husbands and as fathers and as sons and as brothers and as friends and co-workers. But the truths that he shared were so universal and beneficial uh, that they can be encouraging to everyone who's here this morning, man or woman. And so we just, I wanted to share briefly uh, some of what we talked about. And then you may even hear um, uh, a little bit from some of our men and some of their takeaways in a little bit. So we talked about this idea of responsibility to God and to others. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from many of the Gospels, Mark 12 being one of those places where Jesus was asked the question, what is, what's the most important thing that we as God's people, we can say we as Christians, are to be about? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then what was the second? Love your neighbor as, as, as yourself. The second is like it. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So what's our responsibility to God? Our responsibility is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But that doesn't just mean mere words, right? And so that's why he then gives the second greatest commandment, to love um, our neighbor as ourself, uh, because very practically, love takes the, for God takes the form of obedience by loving others around us. But much of our retreat as men was spent upon uh, are talking about how hard that is. The reality that those are easy words to say, Theologically, we are in agreement that that is the greatest commandment and that's how we live out our love for God, but it's hard. And many of the men there spoke about feeling like failures in their different arenas of life, whether that be as husbands or fathers or sons or friends, because we often think if we just try harder, then we should be able to be successful in those arenas of life, of, of, of being who God has made us to be. The problem with this is at least twofold. Number one, we can never be Jesus himself, though functionally we often try to be. And secondly, we can't even be like Jesus when we try to do that in our own strength, though many of us try to. We talked about that on the retreat. A lot of the guys, myself included, shared how that is a struggle. The reality is those burdens are self-imposed, and nothing that Jesus ever asked of us. In fact, Jesus said exactly the opposite in places like John 15, where he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we talked about what does it look like then to walk in obedience, not in our own strength. We we went to places like Philippians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's our part. For it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure To will, to decide and to work To do his good pleasure in you So there's our part There's God's part Like which is it? Is it us or is it God? There's mystery there, there's tension there It's a, it's a both and In short what Paul is saying is this When we take action In faith, when we, when we do that work Of loving God through loving others In faith, we, we put obedience in God meets us in the midst of that Obedience and energizes it that's how those two things work together. But that requires dependence. And that's a really difficult thing for us sometimes as Christians. And dependence looks like regularly admitting to ourselves and others we are not Jesus. And we can do nothing apart from Jesus, and we need his help to do all the things he's called us to. By the way, I think this is a part of what Paul has in mind amongst many other things when he talks about how we are to pray unceasingly in First Thessalonians chapter 5. It's that regular momentary dependence upon and crying out for help and for mercy from God for the things we're not so that he can energize our obedience so that we can do the things he's called us to do. By the way, how do you evaluate whether or not you actually get this truth that you're not Jesus and that you can't do you can't you can't be him, you can't be like him in your own strength? I think it can be evaluated by how often you're going to God for mercy, asking for forgiveness and praying for his help in what he's called you to do. If that's not a regular part of your day, then you're probably under the burden of trying to be something you never could be and never were meant to be. Some of the men on retreat started to experience some freedom from that burden that Christ came to offer us. To take upon themselves his yoke, which he says is what? Easy, and his burden, which he says is light, because he is in that yoke with us when, when we are living this life he's called us to, to follow him, which is true as often As you remember to pray, ask for help, and live with that awareness that you are not Jesus and that you can't be like him apart from him. But there was another significant theme that surfaced, and that precedes even our responsibility to love God and others. And that was learning to embrace that as his sons, we are fully known by God and fully accepted by him at the same time. And that part often goes missed. You may have heard, and I love it, I love the kind of brief, concise uh, phrase of what it is that we're to be as God's people. We are to know him and make him known, right? Uh, That's a a concise way you can boil it down. But guess what? There's something that comes before knowing him and making him known, and that's that's embracing the fact and enjoying the fact and finding freedom in the fact that you are fully known and accepted by him. Like, we love only because he first loved us, the Apostle John tells us, right? So, learning to embrace that is a difficult thing, though. And um, listen, if you've ever had an earthly parent um, or an earthly boss by whom you have felt judged and condemned and constantly scrutinized, what's the motivation to follow them in whatever they're asking you to do? It's very little, right? It's It tends to be begrudging on our part. Maybe our motivation is out of fear or a sense of obligation. But for any of us here who have had the experience of having good and godly parents or an amazing boss who saw your failures, your mistakes, your sins, and still believed in you, still poured into you right, still accepted you and wanted you as a part of their team, it's incredibly empowering and motivating, right? Some of you have experienced that and had that luxury in this life. There's joy in it because you've experienced being seen in all of your weakness and all of your failure and yet still accepted. In other words, you've experienced being known and yet still fully accepted and loved, which is true of us, all of us who are Christians, who are in Christ here today. And so that's the prerequisite, really, to loving God through loving others is embracing the fact that you are fully known and fully loved by him. So what does it look like for us to know that we are known and still accepted by God? A couple of things. Number one, God tells us that through his word and the scriptures. Just some examples. John ten twenty seven, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 is is speaking of our future and eternity when we shall have a different perspective, right, and see things fully as they are. He says, now I shall know in part here on this side of eternity, on this earth, in this broken world, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. That's have been fully known. That's right now. You are fully known by God. There's nothing he doesn't see and know about you. Or the psalmist David in Psalm 139 speaks of this awareness that God fully knows him. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You are acquainted with all my ways. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. On top of this reality that you are fully known by God, if you are in Christ here today, We are also told in his word that this same God who knows you fully, loves you so completely, that he chose to send his son to die for you while you were still sinners, while you were still enemies of his. The same God who knew all the days of your life from start to finish, he knew all that, chose to send his son to die for you. So much does he love you. Grasping this reality is the most powerful resource to love others that there is, Because then, whether you are received or rejected by others, you know that you have a God who fully knows you and yet still fully loves you completely. Now, this doesn't mean that He doesn't ever confront us with truth. One of the things we also talked about on the men's retreat was that one of the ways in which we love others as men is we speak truth into each other's lives. We exhort one another and encourage one another as men. That's a part of what loving others means. But we can receive truth. Best when we are confident that we are known and loved. We have a hard time, on the other hand, receiving truth when we lack that confidence. And God wants to use us you and me, us, as the family of God, oftentimes to foster that gospel truth that through Christ we are fully known by God and yet fully loved by God. And he does this when we risk walking in the light with each other and find brothers and sisters who are willing to walk with us rather than be shocked and appalled and walk away from us as we live vulnerably before each other. In other words, one of the ways we cultivate this gospel truth of being fully known and yet fully loved is by being a family of believers who knows each other's stories and who knows them well, where we're becoming a community that's courageously vulnerable through storytelling, where we're sharing the places of brokenness in our lives, as well as the places of how God is at work with his power in only ways he can be to bring healing and redemption and hope. Here's what we risk if we don't know each other. Number 1, we we risk robbing other people the opportunity to grow in their understanding of the gospel, that they are fully known and fully loved. And secondly, we risk disunity. Why might we risk disunity? Because we are going to disagree on some things as brothers and sisters in Christ, secondary issues that are very important to us. And if we don't know that those that we disagree with, it is very difficult For you not to start to see your brother and sister in Christ as an enemy. Okay? So two things happen when we share our stories, when we live vulnerably with one another. Number one, when we hear each other's brokenness and pain and suffering that people have been through and sin, it breeds empathy. Why? Because we realize, wow, that person has been through some hard things. Or we realize, wow, that person's not actually all that different than I am. Secondly, when we hear how God is uh, powerfully at work in people's lives um, to bring about change in them and to work through them, it breeds humility. We're humbled because we can see how God is still present and powerfully at work in the lives of those that we don't always see eye to eye with. So knowing people's stories breeds empathy for them and it also breeds humility. So knowing and being known what it really does is it helps to inoculate us against the devil's attempts to unnecessarily divide us, which is especially important in this day and age in which we live. And then secondly, even where it is appropriate for us to disagree on some things, knowing each other's stories produces an empathy and humility in those conversations. You can't manufacture in any other way. God just does something in your heart when you start to know the people around you in an intimate way. So, that even when it is appropriate for us to confront, to exhort, to correct, to disagree, there is a love there that he's produced because you know that person, you've identified with them, you empathize with them, and there's a humility there. So, we want to be a community of storytellers knowing and being known. And so, that's just a brief recap of some of where we were at on the men's retreat. I'm going to invite the band to come back up right now because, in a few minutes, we're going to give our guys some space to be able to share. All right, opportunity um, to come up and to be able to share from the overflow of the retreat, some takeaways, whether, guys, that would be areas that you felt challenged by the Lord or by your brothers, areas of growth that you're realizing need to be had or that you even experienced on retreat, maybe areas of insights, new insights about who your God is or insights, deeper insights about the gospel and how that that's playing out in your life or even encouragement to bring back to us today. Now, I didn't plant anybody to do this. We may get a half dozen guys. We may get no one. I don't know. But we want to be a community of storytellers, knowing and being known. And this is one of those opportunities we'll have to do that. Okay, so practically, we're going to, as we do every week, take some time to celebrate communion, celebrate the fact that Jesus has died for us so that we can be fully known by God and yet still fully loved by him. And we'll do that over the course of the next two songs. And guys, for those of you who want to share, whether that be for 30 seconds or a couple of minutes, after you've taken communion, just kind of come up front here so that Pastor Matt would have a sense of if there's anybody who's wanting to share. And after those two songs, there'll be an opportunity um, for you to just kind of speak from the overflow of the men's retreat. Let me just pray before we continue on in our time of worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence with us, your goodness to us. I thank you for this community. I thank you for the brotherhood that um, we have with each other here at Terra Nova as men, whether it be that we experienced in the men's retreat or that we've experienced outside of that. I just thank you for that. It's a blessing. I pray that you continue to foster and encourage us to, to risk walking in the light with one another to know each other and to risk being known by each other so that we can experience the kind of empathy that Christ said that we're told that Christ did for us when as our high priest he experienced all the temptations that we did yet without sin and nonetheless empathizes with us in our weakness. We want to be that kind of community. We want to be extensions of your grace and mercy but we can only do that through first... um, being taught by you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that through Christ, we are fully known by you and yet still fully accepted in love. Would you do that this morning, even as we celebrate communion and are reminded of what Christ did for us and dying for us while we were still sinners? Would you help the men and women here, and myself included, to embrace that gospel truth afresh this morning? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.